What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of Along the Keel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are being built outside. In this week's episode, I get to talk with Brian and Eric, the guys who founded the Dead Rise Project. It's a company based out of Jupiter, Florida, and is all things coastal, whether it's from the California coast to the Florida center console culture and everything in between. They touch on everything from moto, surf, boating, fishing, and you name it, they pretty much got it. It's a very cool brand. Brian and Eric do an awesome job with it. And it was great to be able to touch base, learn their history, and just as to how they're approaching it from a perspective of, from a brand perspective, from a culture perspective, but more importantly, just having fun with it. Living life at 30 knots, not going too fast, not going too slow, and just enjoying and being present in the moment. That's what I got from this episode, and I hope you do too. So I hope you guys tune in, enjoy, sit back, relax, crack a cold one. And before I go, a few announcements. We're going to be at the Waterman Eco Challenge at July 10th on Narragansett Beach. We're going to be doing a live broadcast of it as well as two podcasts, maybe three, um, at our booth and at the tent. We're going to have a little bit of a pop-up shop, so make sure to come by. Check us out July 10th, bright and early in the morning. Um, Hopefully around 6 a.m. it's going to start, I believe. More information to come. With that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure to like, share, subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star review as well as follow us on Instagram. Check out the Dead Rise Project. Give them some love. Send them a like, share, and a follow. And we will catch you at the end of the show. This is largely a culmination of kind of both of your guys' kind of your career over, you know, a large majority of your, of your lives that then kind of brought us to meeting and talking about dead rise project. But, you know, I think it's kind of cool to be able to learn more about how you guys got started. Right. And, you know, knowing that your backgrounds are both heavily in the marine industry, especially in the sport fishing side, which led you to create, you know, sport fishing outfitters. You know, I, I guess the, I guess the question here is like, how did this all come to be? So Eric, why don't you kind of kick us off and like, you know, you were, you're previously a yacht captain, you know, doing sport fishing. Were you, were you always a yacht captain? Like, how did this work? How did you get into fishing in general? I guess would be, I mean, a, would be growing up as a kid, I was always into boats in general, always had boats and then started racing offshore boats in college and then had to fill in one day for a guy on a charter mm-hmm. boat after I had my captain's license and then kind of went from there. Um, it's funny in life how you just want to be in the marine industry and you never know like what directions it's going to take you. And then all of a sudden everything makes sense. It's like, Oh, uh-huh. all these different things that I did all come together and it gives us an opportunity to like do something new. And I think it kind of went from there and then built boats right. worked for a handful of different companies and, you know, got together with some old friends and built boats and restored boats and then started selling parts here with the shop. So it just kind of culminated, I guess, as you went along. Yeah. And then Brian, what about you? How did, where did this, like, where did this all start for you, for you? Um, I grew up here in Florida fishing, um, a lot of bass fishing when I was young, my mm-hmm. dad was really into bass tournaments and that kind of stuff. And then through college got, um, just kind of met some really random buddies that got me into, uh, shallow water fishing. So a lot of flats fishing and, um, you know, kind of through that, it's kind mm-hmm. of funny what, what Eric just said. Um, you know, I, back then, back in college, I never thought about working in the boating or marine space. That was never, uh, you go to college, they don't really tell you that (laughs) that's an option. So, you know, you you take all these classes to go all these (laughs) typical directions. And, um, 
about a year out of college, I got um, offered an opportunity through a random acquaintance of mine to uh, to go work at Hell's Bay Boatworks and um, had a bad timing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I was actually on a, on my way to Spain for 10 days and, and uh, they interviewed someone else while I was gone. And uh, sure enough, he didn't end up taking the job and I ended up uh, scooping that up right after that. So that was uh, back in 2012 and um, did sales for them for a few years and then uh, worked for a company building marinas and uh, the marina development for a few years and then back into uh, or the boating side in in a sales role as a territory rep for a, a manufacturer's rep group. Um, so yeah. I've been you know, in and around it for the last almost ten years now. And um, and then I started a photography business a couple of years ago. Really, always wanted to get in more of the marketing side of things. Uh, just never had an opportunity, and that's how Eric and I got hooked up in the first place. And um, and mm-hmm. then I took a marketing role full time recently. So. Um, still in the outdoor industry, but um, yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride yeah. to say the least. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we just met here in Jupiter it's, randomly. It sounds like it. Like being just a cool town in general, and obviously the lifestyle is pretty cool here. Just widespread mm-hmm. waterman type lifestyle. But being a captain and then having this business here, you know, we were going to spin off, or I did spin off the sport fish side into center console boats, and mm-hmm. that's where Brian and I linked up because I I was like, hey, I. I want to kind of expand on this center console side of our business because we've been so specialized to big sport fish yachts and stuff like that. And the product, you know, you can learn from the guys that are professionals, like fortunately being able to travel around the world on boats with other crews that are pros, you learn like the best maintenance practices Mm -hmm. like in the world, you know? So you get to a point where like, man, the center console guys could really learn from the pros and the sport fish guys. Let's kind of like, disseminate and carry down some of this knowledge so i started to spin off into a yeah. center console brand then brian and i linked up and said let's let's make this a little bit bigger with dead rise than just like a center console brand let's kind of take some crossover from some other mm-hmm. industries and make something cool so yeah i mean that's kind of you know when i saw dead rise initially i was like man that's just such a great culmination of of a lot of things, right? I mean, you guys you guys touch so many different aspects, and it's mostly marine related. But you know, up here in New England, the, there's there's a different boating culture than there is down in Florida, right? I mean, up here it's seasonal, down there it's pretty much year round, and um, you know, it's cool to see that you guys have really carved out a niche in that area, right? And not on uh, you know not to dissuade anything from sportfish outfitters, but this being kind of this more brand centric, it seems like in terms of really telling the story behind, you know, what you guys are, what you guys truly love, like the the combination of the outdoors and motocross and, you know, old trucks, which I'm super stoked to get into. Um, And, and then also boating. Right. But I think it's really important to kind of dive back in the archives a little bit and kind of get into, you know, how do we even get to, you know, where did the love of the ocean and the love of boats come from? Because, you know, you mentioned there something earlier, which was, you know, it's been like a culmination of everything, right, to get to this point. And what I find interesting is, you know, me growing up in the industry, and you're right, like, there is no go to college and then come out and you're like, oh, you can work in the boating industry. Because most of the time, people don't, people are like, get out of it. Like, don't, don't be in this industry, right? Which, yeah. you know, 
I think it's kind of sad to say because it's a great industry to be in. Everyone that I've talked to, you know, it's one of those things where you love you love working in it, right? You love being out on the water. No one loves working in finance. I, I mean, I don't know anyone that loves working in finance. Right? Yeah, it's the end result only. And it's not about right. the experience as much. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's a great thing about marine industry. But you mentioned something that kind of stuck with me there is like, you know, you guys are taking the best practices from, you know, the the sport fishing and yachting world. And it's when you go from boat to boat or from job to job in this industry that you pick up so many different things, you know, like I can kind of think back as to where I learned, you know, that every bolt that comes out of that engine, you should throw some CRC on it and stuff it back in there. Right. Otherwise it's going to get all rusted and gummed up and and taking that and the, and like the first job that ever had, and then now applying it to what I'm doing now, it's again, this culmination of everything. So Growing up, Eric, like you grew up in Florida and you went around, you got into the marine industry, but what do you think drew you to the ocean? Like in general, like, why do you think? I mean, I'm from Maryland originally, like I grew up around the Chesapeake Bay and stuff like that and always like vacationing in Florida. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like any break or any chance we had, like my family was always coming to Florida just to spend time on the water. Right. And at that point, like it was more about like the whole growing up and learning experience as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, having an 11 foot Boston whaler when I was like nine years old and being able to like get in the boat and go out on your own and be that like, helps. okay, cool. <laughs> You're allowed to go to the end of that Island right there, but don't mm-hmm. go out of that range. And then you're allowed right. to go past that. And, you know, you kind of learn about maintaining and stuff. My grandfather was a flight mechanic. So I think it was the whole boating side of it growing up of like being on the water, but also the boats and like the mechanical side of it and learning stuff like that, which is what I think kind of what stuck me into it because you could like constantly be Mm -hmm. evolving, you know, bigger boats or different boats are changing or like learning the mechanics of it and then getting to be on the water at the same time was like such a great combo, you know? So I think that's what, yeah. How much did you love that Boston Whaler? Oh man. If I could still have it, I mean, it's just the memories. Some of the things are just stuck in your head. It's just one of those things, you know? So. Oh yeah. And what a great boat to start on too. I mean, it's unsinkable and it has the first, the first word is Boston, which is an awesome city anyway. So you can't really go wrong with that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I had a very similar upbringing too. It's like, you know, I was kind of thrust into living on the water and, and just, had a dinghy and, and my parents were like, Hey, you know, you want to take the dinghy? You got to swim across this Creek without a life jacket. And I was like, all right. And that's what I did. And probably, yep. probably have done a few things that I shouldn't talk about on that dinghy when I was, you know, probably much too young, but it was, uh, you know, it definitely set me up for, you know, where I am at today. Cause you're right. Like you get to a point where you have to do the, you have to do the maintenance, right? You have to figure it out and take responsibility yeah. for it. Otherwise it just doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Um, so Talking Brian, what's that? in the water as a kid, just one thing. And it's funny yeah, like, yeah, yeah. doing some things that you weren't, shouldn't have done. I learned really <laughs> quick at a young age, how much sound carries over water and never realized like your parents can yeah. hear everything you're saying. And like, that's part of being on the boat. You're like, Oh, I'm out here and I have this freedom. It's awesome. I'm on the boat. You get back to dock. Your parents are like, yeah, what was that you were saying on the boat? I haven't heard that language or whatever, <laughs> like one of those things as a kid, but those are the memories. Right, you know? right, right, but, right. The, the, the nuances of boating that you learn <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> soon off. 
But so Brian, like, you know, eventually you guys got hooked up and you started doing this thing called dead rise project, but like, where, where was the real, the spark for kind of being on the water? Um, it's, well, it's funny for me cause I didn't grow up on the water. Um, I grew up in central Florida, you know, dead middle of the state. So, you know, fortunately I had my dad who was big into the bass fishing and, you know, had a boat when I was mm-hmm. young and growing up and was able to spend time on the water with him. But, um, you know, he also, he grew up surfing. So that was instilled in, in my brother and I, when we were real young. And then I think it's just kind of, you kind of have a choice. Um, you know, as we were younger, you have different paths you can go down and, you know, we got into sports and, and played plenty of that. Um, but was always hooked on the outdoors. And then mm-hmm. as time went on, you start to kind of, you know, connect with some more like-minded people and spend more and more time doing it. And, you know, some of my friends went off playing more of your, you know, mainstream high school sports. Um, you know, I really got into the bass fishing then. And then mm-hmm. as you get your license and start exploring and have access to drive out to the coast to surf. And, you know, my dad, my mom and dad were great at allowing me to uh, take our family boat, you know, on my own once I was old enough to drive. Um, mm-hmm. And then my grandparents actually live here in Jupiter. So Jupiter's always been kind of a second home to me. And this is where I learned to surf and it's where I did a lot of fishing growing up. So, you know, then it was taking the boat down here, um, went to school in Tallahassee. It was, you know, I towed the boat up to my college house for like a year. Which I, oh man. Can't believe, I can't believe you were... let me do that. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that must've been yeah. a, a time right there. You probably yeah. like, you know, that, then, that's then, easy uh, money in terms of having the party. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, once, you know, the biggest thing for me has always been the people that I've met through it. I mean, mm-hmm. doing, you know, spending the time outdoors is awesome and spending the time on the waters is what I live for. But everybody I started to meet, especially as I got older and older, were just, it all seemed to be because of, of the water or fishing or mm. the boats. Um, and, you know, to this day, it continues to, to go that way. Just very odd connections with people because of, of that. So, um, yeah. you know, that's why I'm sitting here right now. And yeah. It's just, it, yeah. It always <laughs> happens. It's weird. Yeah, it's funny how like the water in so many ways is that binding factor between, you know, just building a great relationship because it's one of those things that, you know, you can walk into any bar and you can be like, oh man, you know, that guy's wearing, you know, a, a regulator hat or something. And then immediately there's a conversation there that goes far beyond just that boat, but it, it can go into offshore fishing, diving, like anything coastal, right? But I think what's cool, like between the both of you is, this connection to the water when you were really young, you know, like growing up and both having the opportunity to say, Hey, you can, you know, your parents are like, Hey, you guys can take the boat. You can kind of go and learn this on your own. Because for me, like at least that was super, super important, you know, and kind of forging to who I am today. So like throwing this both back at you, like, what do you think the importance was of that? Like that aspect of being able to have not only the, the ocean at your fingertips, like being able to get out on the water, but just like taking responsibility and kind of having the freedom to do pretty much what you wanted, you know? Um, I mean, for me, it's always just been, you know, what the water teaches you in general. Um, I think a big part of it is it just, for me, it always has been, it teaches you to pay attention, you know, mm. to enjoy your surroundings, um, which comes back to the people you're spending the time with on the water, you know, but it's, especially living down here in Florida, Florida is such a fast paced environment. Um, 
you know, the water's an ability to slow down and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's always been, you know, I mean, even when I was in probably my mid twenties and I was working, um, you know, for Hell's Bay and I was on the water shoot three, four days a week, if not more. Um, you know, even back then it got to a point where I didn't care about catching fish when I went fishing. Like it was just about spending time out there and that was my happy place. And it's always been that way for me. Um, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I, it's one of those things I feel like the water's given me way more, you know, than I've given back to it yet. Um, so that's always just been a kind of a, a church, I guess, in a way for me to, uh, to get out there and just unwind and get rid of all the other nonsense back at shore and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of have your, own, your space and time out there. Yeah. Well said. I totally agree with that. It's definitely been that place of, you know, if, if I'm having a bad day or need to go, you know, blow off some steam, it's let's go for a boat ride, you know, like many, many boat rides of just being out there and, you know, out enjoying the sunset or sunrise. And that, that's just kind of either sets the tone for the day or it, it makes the day, you know, either way. But, um, Eric, like what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, the boat, and I'm realizing that more through this, but like the boat is a tool, right? And mm. it's a tool to freedom. And I think that like I'm into Iron and Air magazine and um, just some other stuff. You look at like the motorcycle culture mm-hmm. yeah. and you realize how much like the motorcycle itself is really about freedom and getting out there and a tool. And mm-hmm. I'm seeing that as like it being a vessel. Like obviously it's a joke in two ways, but like it's a vessel right. to freedom and it's a vessel in itself. But you there's this curve and it's weird with boating but like if you start from a young age there's a learning curve where there's some anxiety involved and like Mm -hmm. screwing things up or how do i figure (laughs) out how to dock it or like wind and current and you know fixing things and all that but if you start at a young age or at a certain point you get to this comfort level Mm -hmm. where then it starts to open up And at that point, it becomes like you're so comfortable with it and you feel so good about it. And that's what it becomes like a lifestyle and part of a culture. And I think that's when you're able to like every minute as a kid, you see all that time going by. And, you know, I say the old timers, but I'm like getting to that point. But everybody's always like, hey, you got to put your time in and you don't think (laughs) about it. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Put your time in. But you get it over time that, man, you really start to like realize what it can do for you. And what it becomes over time. And I think that's really like the bomb. Yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right. I mean, having that you're, and I like how you refer to it as a tool. Cause you know, I always, when I taught boating, I always referred to like your fenders and lines as tools, right? Like, you know, you, you definitely should bring them with you and they're tools in the tools box, right? You can have a really high end tool. You can have a really low end tool. Um, but at the end of the day, like as long as we're out on the water, we're having fun, we're safe, then it's a good day. But I think, you know, go stretching beyond that, like it's a hundred percent a tool to freedom because that's what it is. Like you get, you get these moments in, in life and in, in, you know, in your days where it's hard to find that, that peace and like that quiet time. And I, I feel like for you guys and as definitely for me, like being on the water is that moment where the light switch can go off. You can just like cruise, do whatever, hang with your buddies. And it's just like total peace and the anxiety goes away, you know? But like you said, like it takes a long time to get to that point where you don't have anxiety coming to the dock. Like everything's intuitive. You you can kind of feel the ocean under you. And it's like, as if you're just, you know, 
well, you literally are just kind of floating on top of it and wherever it goes, it takes you, you know? Mm -hmm. So So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's kind of funny if you think about it more, like what is, what is a lot of what dead rise is about? It's kind of taking that same uh, motto or whatever thought process in in the terms of your, your boat's a tool and it takes you away from all these things. But it's kind of mm-hmm. the same thing that we look at with the other things that we involve with dead rise, the trucks, you know, for us going for a drive and in this old, you know, truck that's been around longer than either of us. And, you know, feels like it's falling apart half the time. Yeah. But you get this straight, <laughs> but the sense of freedom that that brings you. And then there's the motorcycle tool, yeah. that tool and that, that takes you to freedom. There's even, even you can go into, you know, what does music do for us? It's, it's a tool that, that takes us somewhere special, um, a a glass of bourbon, you know, or a beer, like they're all tools to us. And they, they do a similar thing at the end of the day, you know, they're kind of something that Mm -hmm. allows us to get out. Um, you know, a lot of people we know don't like to drive. They don't want to be in a car for more than five minutes, but you put crazy people for, you know, three hours and we're heaven on earth. So You know, they're yeah. all just, it's kind of a, a, it is a culmination of all those things and how they, um, they're, you know, they're different things, but they act very similarly, uh, as far as the end goal goes for it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and yes. I mean, you get to, you know, I've been doing this for, in the industry for 25, 30 years, almost whatever. And you kind of get, you can get burned out on different aspects to where mm-hmm. like, some people are like, man, I work on boats all day. I don't really want to go on the boat, you know? So that's where also dead rise was able to like create that and provide that for me that like the sport fish side and fixing boats and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, well, I've been on boats my whole life and I haven't really inshore fished much. So I want to do more of that. Or I like going to coastal towns and like finding out where the cool places are to go see live music or like, what is there to do with right, the right. boat? So now I'm 45 years old and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I have all these other things on a boat that I want to do. And I've been doing this for 25 years and Mm. these are all new things. So the dead rise part of the coastal culture side is that it's like, it is a whole life. Like you see guys that have been like surfers and they're 85 years old and surfing or whatever, like boats are that way where you can continue to just evolve and change and, you know, use it in a way that Mm -hmm. is something different, you know? And, constantly be changing it up yeah really cool about it yeah it is it's it's super cool to think that you know one boat is a hundred percent not like the other right every boat has its own purpose every boat has its own the way it rides the way it handles and for me like when i hop on a new boat that's kind of the fun and the enjoyment of like figuring out how this thing is going to handle like and then and and then in doing that you kind of can speak to like oh you know i'm not a huge fan of the regulator but i love the i love the yellow fin or i'm you know i love the hell's bay but i'm not a fan of you know this other mod i mean i'm not a huge we don't have skiffs up here so i can't really speak to them but they all have their nuances like yeah they all have their nuances boats and stuff it's like oh yeah well this boat's not that well it has these other things but it's all right right absolutely and you know right now the family boat that we've always had was this v20 step lift which up here, I don't know if you, if you guys have ever seen those down there, but in um, in New England, it's it's kind of this quintessential boat, like the hull. I mean, if you put it on a T-shirt, you'd be like, oh, that's a V20, you know, if you're up here in New England. Um, you know, and 
it's it's boats like those, like the Boston Whaler and the Montauk and, you know, these quintessential hulls that we all know and love that I think kind of sets the tone for, you know, who you are as a person, right? Because it's this evolution of you coming up the ranks and kind of realizing like not the truck, right? And the boat is a representation of, you know, your perspective on what you love doing. So speaking of the truck, you know, you guys had a badass dodge and then i can't who who has the scrambler because that's well, the, probably that's like inter, my dream. The international is the big four-door truck that's an international okay. 73 international and then the scrambler i've had since 1995 oh wow i Holy won an shit. offshore powerboat race like in 1995 and as a kid i was like oh i'm gonna go blow my money and i bought a scrambler <laughs> and i've had it ever since <laughs> so then we, we have an fj60 yeah he's got the FJ60. that's right yep which was like a dream truck of mine, you know, 20 years ago. So I actually almost bought the truck that he bought that was sitting on the side of the road down the street from my house. And then I found out he bought it, which is probably how we actually first started. We ran into each other at the sandbar and he told me he bought that thing. And I was like, oh man, I almost bought that thing, but I already had the scrambler (laughs) and whatever. So yeah, yeah, too funny. Yeah. And it's cool how that kind of brings people together. So we got to like back up a little bit because you went from talking about a Jeep to, oh, wait, I, I basically won it in offshore powerboat racing. Or was it fishing? No, that was offshore powerboat racing at the time. So were you doing like, I'm, I'm picturing like Miami Vice, you know, yeah. racing powerboats. I mean, like... pretty, pretty much as a okay. kid. And I mean, right. that, that dragged me to Florida where like I went to school at University of Miami for marine affairs, but I worked on and rigging and building offshore powerboats. Mm-hmm. like three days a week and then classes two days a week and That's so too funny the guy that was the owner of the boat you know the guy that i worked for was one of the best throttlemen that's out there like ever mm-hmm. and he was teaching me and i was 18 19 and the owner of the boat wasn't feeling good that day and so the mm-hmm. guy that i worked for said hey you're the only guy that really knows how to drive <laughs> this boat and the person i feel comfortable with let's go <laughs> And I was, I'm like 19. I'm like, no way, not going to do it. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. You know how to drive it. So we went out there and won the race. It stroked me a check. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is fun. I can do this. Trial by fire. Yeah, Let's do exactly. this again. This was good. Yeah, I yeah. bought myself a Jeep. Until I That's saw like, over the years, too many people crash and just decided that was like a little yeah. much for me. And then I started like, I always loved sport fish boats, but kind of went that route. But yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the offshore thing when you're a kid was super fun. Yeah, what kind of boat was it? Do you remember? That was a 33 Power Play. Actually, that okay. was a 33 Fountain. And then after that, we raced a 33 Power Play for a while and then worked for a team that had a couple 42 Fountain step boats. And I worked for a guy. We were doing the testing of like step bottom boats and aerating steps and all that, like some of the early Fountain mm-hmm. boats, like the old NXS boats and 45 and 47 Fountain enclosed boats, like a lot of the early on. Oh, wow testing of step bottom boats so it was pretty cool learning. that's pretty badass yeah yeah no kidding and you know it's it's funny you mention the power boating because um up here in bristol is where they build the outer limits mm-hmm. um the the race boats so we so yep. we see those guys all the time on the bay during the summer and then i too another side note i i too studied marine affairs at the university of rhode island so that's kind of a cool little, little well it goes back to there. like the studying things but like what am i going to do with this you know like it was such right. a narrow possibility of focus when you went to school for it but it's like okay well where am i going to do this 
Right, right. And, you know, I kind of looked at it as like a lot of people that I went to school for, you know, within the Marine Affairs program at URI was you kind of have to make it your own thing, right? Like, and, and that's, you can say that about everything, but, you know, there's, there's a little bit more of a clear cut path if you want to be a finance guy, right? I mean, there's, there's several options here. Right. Versus marine affairs, it's kind of well. What the hell is a marine affair? You know, like no one really understands. No one really That's knows. Voting in a nutshell, though, it's kind of loose. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it fits perfect. Um, that's probably why it's been uh, it's been working out. So, but you know, as you guys, you went off and created Sportfish Outfitters, right? And there was this juncture of all right, we 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 went through the yachting and boating industry and you created what is now Sportfish Outfitters. Can you, can you speak a little bit to that? That way we have some context as to like the juncture between how you and Brian kind of got together and we're like, all right, this whole dead rise thing. I think we got something. Yeah. I mean, I, I see very little crossover between the Marine industry brands or boating brands in general Mm -hmm. and any other industry. And I think that's really where the crossover came. You know, my history being in the sport fish boat side of it was like, it was always intermingled and sort of the same Mm -hmm. and never like outside influence. I didn't see. So once we had an opportunity and Brian saw that same vision to say, Hey, let's pull some things from the outside and create a brand that's a little bit different. And he having a full-time job and me having the full-time job of sport fish outfitters, it was a full passion project to just say like, okay, how can we make coastal culture in itself a boating brand with other outside influences, you know, based on mm. everything else that we did with Sportfish Outfitters and his well, experience I on think, the creative side. You know, Eric always says it well too. It's like, okay, we both surf, but if we want to mm-hmm. buy a, a surfing brand t-shirt, we have to go to a surf shop. But yeah, we're both huge fishermen. Right. And we both love boats. So why can't you find those same brands in a a boating or fishing store? And if you look at it in reality, Mm -hmm. most people we know who fish, they surf. If they surf, they fish. And in general, and a lot of them, I mean, they love old trucks. They love good music. They love good beer. They love travel. They love all these things. So there's just kind of the idea Mm -hmm. of, you know, yes, we live a coastal lifestyle for sure, but that doesn't only mean that we love to be on a boat there's so much more that goes into it and obviously the boat and the water is the center you know of, of it all but mm-hmm. it, it was just kind of that question of why is there nothing out there that ties these things together you know it, it was kind right. of the kind of the mentality of like we can only look at a fishing picture so many times oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm bored yeah. of seeing the same fishing pictures over and over so but if you you know if we put up a, a picture of a truck everyone's like oh well, that's way more exciting than a, another fishing picture right and that's how we feel right. it's another aspect of our lives that we thoroughly enjoy and it all adds up to you know kind of the bigger picture of things so you know that was where we looked at well, there's nobody out there doing that you know they're all in those mm-hmm. they're all in those different corners but nobody has decided to cross those lines um, and, and we both love a lot of stuff that's from outside the industry and it was looking at styles in the motorcycle and just kind of a Western surf culture, Mm -hmm. you know, vibe or whatever. And saying, why don't we see that in the fishing or boating industry? 
and right we we said we just have to do it <laughs> well it's, yeah. you said earlier like you brought up the fact of like there's south florida boating style and center console style mm-hmm. and then there's the whole rest of the country so to me like looking at west coast style and like admiring like iron and resin and brands that are west coast based that did crossover of like surf and moto and whatnot but mm-hmm. recognizing the fact that we want to speak to everyone, you know, like from us to you, to the West coast, to Texas, to whatever the case may be. And we, I didn't see a boating brand that involved gear, apparel, and the boating supply, you know, side of it. There was like Mm -hmm. a niche small brand that like people felt like they could be a part of a community that wasn't just Mm -hmm. like chicks and bikinis and whatever else, you know, like, some brands like it is what it is i i it's cool like they can do whatever they want but for mm-hmm. what i wanted and what i think brian wanted it was like well, we're just going to do this because we feel like right. we there's a, a market for this and like it's fun for us and like i said we it's something that i want to go do anyway so like when we right. get product together to like figure out what we want to carry or what we want to go shoot it's like well we just grab everything that we take on the boat anyway and it's kind of like everything you need to go right. away for the weekend is what we're trying to put together. So like you go on a camping mm-hmm. trip and it's like, oh yeah. yeah, I need this. I need that. I need that. I need that. Or my buddy called me and said, Hey, I'm going to the keys in two days. Like put your bag together. Let's go. It's like, well, here's everything I'm going to take. And that, <laughs> but in reality, yeah. that's what it becomes. And it could be anywhere in the country. It could be the outer banks. It can be up by you. It can be California. It doesn't matter, you know? And that's right. the, that's where it joins it. Yeah. And I I love the concept behind it because you're, you know, Brian, you're right. Like there really isn't anything out there right now, right. That curates all the goodies and products and gear that, you know, real outdoorsmen, real watermen, or if that's what we want to kind of encapsulate everyone into, um, or, you know, coastal goers are going to use, right. Like there's, there's a difference between going to Walmart and buying like the Igloo cooler, but is that really what you're going to use when you're going offshore? Probably right. not, right? So it's like this curation of high quality goods, but it's much more than that, right? It's it's this trying to capture the essence of living by the coast, right? And it all kind of stems from the boat, which by the way, I love the name Dead Rise. I think that's I think it's like super cool and really we went encapsulates back on everything. That forever. We were all over the place for it, but it's like such a dual <laughs> meaning, right? I mean, you have the boat meaning. If you know, you mm-hmm. know. And if people ask, it's like, well, you might research it. If you don't know, you probably don't know. Exactly. And if you don't know, then not to dissuade any customers, but like then you know exactly who you're dealing with, right? Because right. if they know what Dead Rise is, then they 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 get it, right? It's kind of like a like a secret code, if you would, or like a password. Um, kind of on on similar to that of you know, who our customer base is and kind of what you just said was it's, it's people who understand and appreciate quality goods. Mm-hmm. It, we're not, it's not about being expensive. It's about being a good quality gear well or built, good or whatever it is. Or and and, or and a lot of that comes from just, just people who have that appreciation for things that are built well, that they know are going to you know stand the test of time. And it's the same type of appreciation mm-hmm. that those people have for, the water in general and what the water gives back to them. So I think that's a big part of this. You know, we our clientele are people who are like-minded in the sense that they have this appreciation for the water in general and then the gear and goods that make their time on the water a better experience, essentially. 
If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. And not to forget, yeah. it, like the dead rise part of it, it's really like the get up and go and get off your couch. Like, mm -hmm. it's not always easy for any of us and when you're busy to be like, man, I got to <laughs> go do this, you know, like, yeah, I, oh man, like just making the time to get on the boat sometimes is difficult. But every time you go, you're so glad you did it. And I think that's what it's the dead rise, right, like get off your couch, like, come on, man, I'm, I'm here to motivate you to get up and get out there. And that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah. No, I, I love the concept behind it. And, you know, I think it resonates with a lot of people, you know, because it's not everyone that's going to be on a boat is going to probably be into fishing and everyone that's into fishing might just be into spear fishing and, and fly fishing and all these other different coastal or activities. So to, doesn't have a to little be bit. All, you don't have to be way into it. You don't have to be like, right. oh, I'm way into fishing or I'm way into spear fishing or oh, mm -hmm. it's like, hey, if you like fishing a little bit, that's great whatever, right. whatever makes you happy, you know? Right. And that's kind of the beauty of living by the coast. Like you got to kind of pick your days and there's days where you can't go on the boat. Cause there's like three to five footers out. But if you want to, if you want to kind of, you know, stick to the estuaries and fish the marshland, well, you can do that. Right. So it's like this balance between knowing a little bit about everything so that you can go and enjoy the coast in its fullest. And I kind of see that as what dead rise is really kind of, I guess packaging up and proposing to someone is like, there's so many different cool things out there from the music to the people, to the, you know, to the brands the boat, that we're purveying, building like, everything, yeah. everything. So cool. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious cause you guys go, you have so many interesting products and, um, and projects going on, you know, simultaneous <laughs> to, to dead rise. But I'm really curious, like when you guys went ahead and started curating this brand right and trying to get that brand vision is such a hard thing to do right from getting the design down to really get building that brand voice to even hell the style guide of how you're going to write things right how you're going to write an instagram post right all these things add up like they're the you know they're small steps in the thousand mile journey but each step counts so 
like how did you guys go about that and then i'm also i'm really interested in brian your photography because as as far as i know that that's kind of your shtick right you're you're the main guy taking the shots so like what's your background on that but then how do you kind of see like when you go into a shoot how you go about it like what's your methodology i, guess? I think i know what he's gonna say yeah, which is the good say. thing but yeah. i want him to say it because it's yeah. like all right we, this is what makes it we have no method it's <laughs> awesome no, I mean, but that's the reality of what it is. And, and I was journalistic. Kind of, honestly, you know, if, if, if you look back on how did we make the a style guide or how did we come up with a, a brand plan? We, mm-hmm. Our brand, our brand plan was our, the life that we both live is what we're portraying essentially. Mm-hmm. Cause we just, you know, you, you look at everything that we're doing and the way we're doing it. And it's like people had already acknowledged that they liked seeing it so it wasn't hard to um you know we we've rarely gone out and done a photo shoot right a planned uh Uh designated shoot you know it's more of and it's how i started my photography business a couple years back was it it was all just i'm gonna go do the things i love doing and capture the moments as they happen i call it like situational Mm -hmm. photography essentially so it's not planned Mm -hmm. out it's not drawn up ahead of time it's just Let's get great people together in a great place doing something fun and you'll capture great stuff. That's, um, you know, getting the imagery for what we've done is really not been difficult as long as we go spend time doing the things. Get off the couch and go do it. Yeah. (laughs) Motivate to get up. And then it just kind of, I guess, time-wise, it all kind of aligned well that Eric was building out this the new truck, which was, has been a you know, great focal point for the brand. Um, and then as we started to introduce that to the audience, that was very well received and they loved how cool it was and unique and different. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other trucks and then the fact the that we both have, yeah, we both like have vintage kinda, boats, you know, yeah. which are, it's, I think it probably works out well time-wise for us both that vintage old stuff is such a, you know, cool thing now. Mm-hmm. And maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, so that kind of works in our favor that that just happens to be something we both thoroughly enjoy and, and you know, have the resources to, to capture that stuff. Um, right. But I mean, you know, it's kind of been something that, and that's a big part of it has always been since day one, that it is called project, right? It is mm. the idea that if next month we were like, we don't, we didn't like that style or something we did, we can evolve it. We can change it. Um, and there's no pressure to not do that. So, um, you know, we've, we've done really good about listening to our audience too. You know, they've been supportive. If they like something, they keep telling us and we take a lot of note of that and, and try to do, you know, a good job at continuing to do those similar things. And, and we know what people like, we know what they don't like, mm-hmm. you know, what well, what doesn't work well. So, um, it's just an ongoing yeah. process that we refine constantly and, um, you know, the nice thing too, is we kind of go at our own pace, especially now. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. not a, uh, there's not a pressure of, you know, tomorrow or, you know, we're not answering to shareholders or anything. Yeah. So it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, that's what yeah, I was going to say. Like it's, difference, so the when, fact that being a side project is like, allows us to be able to do it as a passion project and not have to like mm-hmm. worry about, you know, we keep our overhead low. Like we, you know, try to do the best we can to do things efficiently, mm-hmm. but like talking about, you know, the like motivation behind it, like, or planning things out. Like I, I don't, I'm too busy. I don't have the energy 
to like, <laughs> it's true. Like it. I, I love design. Like if I, if, you know, I'll mess around with something in Adobe Illustrator and then I'll fire it over to Brian or he'll do the same. And like, that's how this all started from a design point of view, because mm-hmm. like, it's an outlet, you know, a creative outlet to say, oh man, well, are cool. Let's design some shirts or like, who are we going to get together and collaborate with to try to put this like down so that it can look like we want it to look. And like, right. that's the fun part, you know, yeah. and it, what well, makes it fun is the project thing. And it's, well, that's it's cool. been the cool thing too, is when we started it, we really did try to do everything ourselves right off the bat. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. We were trying to design logos and stuff that we're not professionals <laughs> at doing and uh, <laughs> figure it, it out though. But, it, but it's been cool through connections we've made with other brands, people they've introduced us to is our designer. Who's done a lot of work for us now is someone that was connected to us uh, from a great mm-hmm. brand out West. And then, um, you know, we've met someone recently who uh, has a great hat company and we're looking at new hats. So it's, you know, now things are starting to come to, to us um, and they're all helpful pieces of yeah. the puzzle. Whereas, you know, at, at day one, it was, well, we both have backgrounds in what we do. We're both intelligent enough to figure things out and we'll just take a stab at this or that. And then you start to right. realize what you're not as great at and you, you find the people to, to do that for you. So. Um, yeah, like I said, again, project it's constantly ongoing. It's and some big brands like we've, you know, the guys at Von Zipper have been like yeah, amazing awesome. with us. And, mm. you know, you have like, like I said, Tom and Iron Resin, you know, the guys at Von Zipper. It's just like you realize that if you ask people and you show mm-hmm. an interest and you, you know, it's that like kind of mentor type mentality or whatever. And it's in the marine industry or everywhere else. Like you just ask. And yeah. the boat building, like whatever it is. And once that happens, you open up so many doors because you realize like shoot an email or pick up the phone and recognize the fact that, yeah, people are busy and whatnot, whatever. But at some point you make time and you have great conversations and you just learn so much that yeah. it's, it's amazing. And, and that's happened from industries outside of boats and also within. So, And as you, right. I mean, we both see it constantly, but. You know, as you've been in this industry longer and longer, it's incredible how small the industry starts to get. Like we'll get on a call with really a, small <laughs> that we're talking to. And, you know, he used to work here and, oh, you know, my buddy, this and that and that. And it's, you know, it just, you can not, we don't know anybody we get on the phone with. And then 10 minutes later, we're like, oh, wow, we have incredible mutual connections with you. And that all really helps, especially as you're building a relationship with them. And then their willingness to help us. Um, and then like Eric said, and one of mm-hmm. my biggest things in life and business in general is if you don't ask them for help, it, they might be great people, but we're all so busy. It's so hard to get that type of attention from somebody. So and it's not going to be easy. Them, it may not be yeah, you. They may not say no, it right away or whatever. <laughs> it's not going to be easy, but you just have to work through it. You know? you yeah. And that, that's such a powerful thing right there that I don't think a lot of people, I think that's what separates people from the ones that go out and make it happen and the ones that don't. And it's just simply asking, like, it's just asking for help or asking for a hand or being, Hey, I'm going to, I show, you know, X amount of interest in your brand or in your product or whatever it could be right in just in your person and maybe creating some sort of relationship that right there of in itself, nine times out of 10 is going to get someone's attention. And then that's going to lead to a conversation. And then interestingly enough, it's funny because about five years ago or so I had a client and 
we were still <laughs> finishing a build on a boat and I, I, at the end of it, when he was about to leave, I went right to him and I said, Hey man, if you're ever hiring, I would love to come work for you. And mm-hmm. his reaction was really, I, I wouldn't have had any idea. So you have to think like, that's his mindset, even though I know in, in myself, like, yeah, man, I would love yeah. to come do what you're doing. I think it's so cool. And we have a great relationship, but it wasn't until that I made that clear to him that he would have never known that. And as soon as I did, sure enough, a year later, I ended up working for him. So right. I like you bring that topic up and, and have that conversation with somebody, but especially as we all get so busy, mm-hmm. you know, we want to, you want to think everyone's thinking that way, but we're not, we're, we're busy guys. So um, right. don't ever ask, you'll, you'll never know the answer to that question. Yep. Yep. The whole ask and you shall receive because, and you might not get the right answer that you might not get their answer that you want, but at the end of the day, at least you got an answer, right? Yeah. And there's a 50, 50 shot that it could go really, really well, or it could be a no. And a no is just a maybe or a not right now. Right. I mean, that's uh, a, yeah. that's sales 101, right? It's like, you got to just wait it out and, you know, keep prying and keep, I call it pleasantly persistent, you know, it's just, you just keep showing up. You keep dropping your card on the table. You just keep making those phone calls. Well, and eventually it'll I work out. You? I mean, the, the question to ask people a lot of times is how can I help you? I mean, like, mm-hmm. how can we make your brand better? Like, and that's right. what people said early on from us. They're like, man, you guys aren't afraid to like promote other brands. I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, why not? Right. Like, like-minded and, you know, they're, they're quality. It's down. We're down for whatever they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't we do that? You know, and that's right. the, it's it's some it's like something you said earlier, Zach. Like, you could run into somebody in the wherever, and they've got a hat on, and you notice you start talking. Like, I literally met one of my old roommates at a concert who had a tarpon on his hat, and we got <laughs> talking. And sure enough, two years later, we ended up moving in together. So yeah, it's the same type of concept here. You know, we we want to be friends with people who are like-minded to us right really that simple it's howler's mantra you know it's it's a party and everybody's invited like it's that thing let's just meet some more people you know right yeah and at the end of the day like you know you said something great right there eric is like you got to provide value to that to whatever it is right whether it's a relationship whether it's hey i think i can you know hook you up with this person and there's a good networking opportunity but it's just a matter of like providing enough value for someone to be like hey yeah i'll give you a shot i'll I'll take a chance on you, you know, but, you know, I think with that, you know, talking about community and kind of developing what you guys are doing, you know, there's so many different side projects that you have involved, right. That you guys are involved in, whether it be the Spanish Wells skiffs, which they're freaking awesome. And I wish that I'd see one up here in the Northeast. Cause that'd be awesome. Or, you know, not only that, but now you guys are creating your own types of products and, and really collaborating, creating this community by going out and asking those questions, right? So like, give us the lowdown on the whole Spanish Wells because we talked a little bit about that on our previous phone call, but I find that super interesting that, you know, you go from this background and now it's like, all right, well, let's try and let's try and build a boat. Like, well, you know, that's, that's kind of out of left field. That was just part of the evolution <laughs> of things. And you talk about like all things coming together and being a culmination. It's like, oh, well, I have the Spanish Wells boat that I built. So let's just use this for the brand you know? Right. And so in 2015 ish, I had a buddy of mine from headhunter spearfishing call me and was on a spearfishing charter in the Bahamas. And he said, Hey, my Mm -hmm. client that I'm with, 
you know, wants to redo a Spanish Wells boat, which was a skiff. You know, the hulls were built by Chris Moore, John, that was okay. in the beginning there at, at Hell's Bay. And he built these molds um, off the idea from the 18-foot Albury, and they made some changes to the boat in Spanish Wells for the lobster guys. Mm. Well, this guy found the molds so he originally wanted to redo them but oh, then shit. he found the original molds that chris morjohn built in the early 80s so my buddy calls and says hey originally he wanted to redo a boat but now he wants to build his own boats can you build them because we don't know anybody else who could build boats mm-hmm. and he said they're in nassau he's going to send them to you in a container you know can you build them so i was like all right sure so this container shows up with these molds that we totally had to restore and like figure out how things came together and whatever. But Mm -hmm. it was this whole story. I mean, it was a a guy that said, Hey, I'm willing to let you do everything. You know, I'll buy the molds and you just build the first boat. However you want it as this modern interpretation of the Spanish well skiff. Mm. And that's what we did. I built the first one for myself, which is the boat. Our dead rise boat is hole number one. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 2015. And then we built three more after that. And now market dragonfly boats has the molds. So anything that's built after hole number four is built by Mark. So yeah. I was really happy to like pass it off to him because he loved the story. Like he's an old surfboard shaper and dragonfly boats are super custom and it was a great fit for him. So it's like, well, man, I have this boat that I want to go like travel to all these coastal cities and do this cool shit with. and. We got mm-hmm. the truck, and I'm like, man, this is great. Let's just use this. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of brands or companies or whatever to have those type of resources consistently, they would have to go out and rent them. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, it's so <laughs> nice that, you know, yes, we do yeah. incorporate that into the brand, and that just, but again, it's this whole idea that that's our life. That's. Right. We didn't buy them for the brand. We bought them for ourselves because it's the enjoyment we get out of them. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, they just happen to be things that a lot of other people enjoy seeing as well. And I help. <laughs> I mean, Mark's right. building them. Like I promote the boats, and like there's no, I have no ties to that. It's just Mark helped me. I help him, and I love the boat. Like I have a love for it. I don't. I'm not trying to sell them, but they're yeah. awesome. Like they're amazing, you know. And it's just one of those things. Yeah, out of curiosity, like what makes a good, like what makes it such a great boat? I mean, is it the is it a shallow water draft? Like I saw, I've seen some pictures no. of it. It looks like it's like a round bottom V yeah. bottom. Like I'm not quite sure what it is. Yeah, it, it's a round bottom with a keel. I mean, the chine was adjusted, you know, from the Albury boat a little bit, and mm-hmm. um, the thing they're just they were built to run across the bay in the bahamas so like to me it is the original bay boat because it mm. has a super sharp entry it's that size where it's like an 18 inch draft so it's not like a skinny water boat by any means but right they were built out of solid fiberglass no coring and mm. when the guy that found the molds wanted me to build them he's like no i want these to be solid glass so it's super Jesus. heavy and I mean, we call it the marshmallow because it's all white and it just rides really soft. So, it, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's heavy and it's not fast. And Mark at Dragonfly will tell you the same thing. He has customers that come in and say, oh, I want the boat to be faster. Let's put a bigger motor on it. Well, it doesn't work. It doesn't that work that way. You know, <laughs> it's a 30 knot boat all day long and it is what it is. And, you know, that's the beauty of it. You're 
Yeah, but why do you need to go faster than 30 knots if you're going in the bay, right? You know, I went from race boats to sport fish boats where I have to run (laughs) a thousand miles at 28 knots. And it's like, all right, Mm -hmm. it's okay. I mean, now they do 40 knots, but, you know, you get to that point where you get used to going 30 knots, you know? Yeah. 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 Some of the new sport fish boats are just, they're unbelievable. The amount of, you know, the, the build quality and where they're, where they've come and the speed alone is just, it's absurd. Oh yeah. 50 knots. 50 knot boat. Yeah. What? Like 80 feet or something like that. Crazy. Yeah. The Rybovich, I mean, 72 or whatever it is, you know, it's up your way. It's yeah. That's a 50 knot boat. Yeah. That, um, are you uh, referring to persistence? I am. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tyler is a very good friend of mine. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, actually, he was just, he came over the house the other night. So he and I have been buddies for a very long time. Oh, no way. So I know the previous captain of Persistence. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I know him. Um, but, but yeah, it's a unbelievable boat and it's right here in Falmouth. So it's like hop, yep. skip and a jump for me. Once you go up through, um, you know, up past the, up past the vineyard. We're going to come um, visit. That's another thing. Like it's yeah. another Are you? culture adventure. <laughs> I like I, what's, well, I mean, yeah, let's go. <laughs> trailer the truck and the boat i mean we got the tent now the rooftop tent so that's that's right <laughs> yep. you know I, I love how you guys like incorporate because it's it's truly just you you know a couple of guys getting together hanging out and like bringing your buddies and you take some pictures and everyone's like holy shit that looks really fun you know and It'll that seems too like complicated you know just, it's not just it's gotta go <laughs> so you know when i asked the when i asked the brand styling question i was like I have a feeling I know this, the answer to this question, but, and I'm glad you guys gave me that answer. Cause that's what I was, that's what I was looking for. But, um, you know, throughout this whole thing, you maintain this whole like vintage look. Like I always see this, the Spanish wells are like this very vintage kind of looking boat. And then not only that, but then you kind of carry that over into the trucks and the Jeep. And, you know, now this new project with the whole camping, you know, concept. So where did that whole idea come from? I mean, well, I think that I think it just comes down to that that word vintage. It's just kind of the that look in general of having a little bit older style, you know, stylized look simplicity, stuff, you know, like a little bit more yellow, just faded film almost type of um, you know, vibe to stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of it too was we both were just extremely tired of seeing all these blues and oversaturation and you know high contrasted photos and edits and all this stuff that rang very consistent throughout the industry this brand did it Mm -hmm. that brand did it you know everybody was just kind of on and again that's their thing like there's nothing against anybody who's doing it it's just something it was just more one of those you know okay i'm 32 i've seen that for 32 years and right it kind of gets old after a while and then, I, but I guess a lot of it too does pull from the fact that the other stuff that we both enjoy, if you look at the motorcycle culture or this kind of Western surf culture, you know, a lot of their stuff has that kind of vintagey, you know, mm-hmm. turned down look. Um, it's not these bright, vibrant colors. Um, yeah, it's not bright blues. You hardly any blues in, in a lot of the stuff that they do. So, um, you know, I think it just takes time to just refining that style and, but, you know, you kind of edit something one way and you don't like it. And then the next one, you, you oh, wow, that looks awesome. And then you just kind of keep, you know, snowballing on that. And it's a take it easy mentality. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not. And I think it's those colors and everything speak to a more like high energy, 
get out there like ah, yeah. you know like fired up right. and, and all that kind of stuff whereas i think like the softer tones speak yeah. more to just like a laid-back vibe and i think the vintage mm-hmm. thing is a lot like that too where it's slower times like you look at you know the international and just things were like you know it's a lot of it's you got roll down windows and locks and like you can only go so fast it's so the best it's, it's the 30 knot thing you know it's like okay well yeah. kinda, i'm just gonna take it easy it kind of pulls i think a lot and kind of goes with that but it kind of does pull a lot from the look of kind of like the low country like south carolina marsh mm-hmm. you know it's a lot of that darker subdued green and and your your oranges and yellows um more of those tones versus like your bright blue ocean water yeah. that kind of stuff um and then that kind of goes along with that maybe mentality of the carolinas and the, the slow country um mm-hmm. but yeah it definitely has more of that slower paced old old school vintage whatever you want to call it look um you know it's been fun to do it and you get people ask you about it wanting to know how you did it so yeah on to something something right there on to something right yeah i mean who who's to blame anyone from for living life at 30 knots right i mean some days you gotta yeah. you gotta go fast and other days slow is fast know. man the malloy brothers had a yeah. put out a you know surf guys put out a movie called slow is fast and yeah you start to learn over time that like if you slow down a little bit you may number one get more done and you might enjoy yourself a little bit more and you're probably going to make a better product right you know at the end of the day whatever your product is or whatever it is you're doing if you mm-hmm. slow down and pay attention, you might be better at it. Yeah. And why do you think that is? Do you think that's more so just paying adage to, to patience and being able to see the detail? Or is it more of being present in the moment? I think it's being present. I mean, certainly there's it takes patience to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like patience with yourself. It's kind of get out of your own way or your own worst enemy kind of thing. So that patience comes and then you realize that if you slow down, that you enjoy the process more, more number one, and your product is better. It's kind of yeah. like the, uh, it's kind of like my land cruiser. Like that thing is slow as shit, <laughs> but it makes you focus on like everything you're doing in the moment while you're doing it. Like, you can yeah, look out I mean, the window. Yeah. yeah like you, going you're so going slow. so slow that Sir, do you know, know how fast you were going. You, you, can, <laughs> you can't, you can't hit 60 to save your life in that thing. So, you know, it really does slow you down and, and there's, you know, there's no radio in it. I got a, a turtle box in the back is my speed. Awesome. Like it, it, it is, it's as old school as it gets. And, and it's, you know, it's a four speed on the floor. So it's mm-hmm. in those moments. Um, and the same, I've got an old, hell's bay with a tiller motor on it right so i've got to mm-hmm. hold that tiller and drive and go 20 miles an hour you know half the time so it does it it really makes it kind of comes back to the beginning of the whole appreciation for so much of these things and i think eric and i both have have that um that appreciation for you know life in general and then mm-hmm. what the coastal you know the water and the culture has given us over time and kind of looked at this, I think, as an opportunity to <clears throat> share that with others and, and find, yeah. that, find that in others, which we are. We're finding it constantly that so many guys are like, oh, man, I love what you guys are doing. This is my life in a nutshell, essentially, right? And I don't think there's mm-hmm. been a brand out there that has truly spoken to so many of us who, who live this type of life and, and wanted something to connect with, probably without even knowing they wanted something to connect with. Um, right. So, you know, we're, we're grateful to give them that resource and and have that opportunity that was really the number one goal i mean motivating people and we Mm -hmm. started like putting words together when like early on i don't i think the 
the Instagram, you know, whatever doesn't say it now, the body of it, but in general, it's like kind of purveyors, like, yeah, we're selling goods, but want to be motivators and creators and, you know, mm. all things, friends and buddies. And beer it's just, drinkers. yeah, it's just all those things that. And beer drinkers. Yeah. For other people to feel yeah. connected in a non-connected world where you have to get out there and go, you know, you have to mm -hmm. go out there and you meet people and you do it. Um, you know, the camping thing, it's funny. You're just asking like, how did all that, this vintage stuff evolve, but even the camping thing, it's like, you know, GFC, you know, tents, I work with them, the, this ultralight that they just came out with is only 80 pounds. And I saw it mm -hmm. because I'm into trucks. Right. And so it had nothing to do with boats and I'm into trucks and I see it. I'm like, Oh, 80 pounds. That would work on a boat for sure. And so yeah. they had this contest where you would like, you know, they had a, a GIF or whatever with like the tent and you could overlay it on your truck. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to overlay it on the boat. And so again, if you don't <laughs> ask, you don't know. And so right. I got an Adobe illustrator and I took the Spanish wells and I took a picture of the tent and overlaid it. And I sent it out to GFC and I said, Hey guys, we need to put one of these things on a boat, you know, and, and yeah. for a six month period, we made it happen and we put a trip together and they flew out from Montana and we met some new people. And it was just that kind of stuff is like, man, this is so easy. Like, it's just fun. Mm -hmm. you know? It's just fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how relatable that is in terms of like doing this podcast, right? It's because it's something that, you know, I love working on being on the water. Like it's plain and simple. And I also like being in the outdoors and going backpacking and talking about trucks and stuff. So like, you know, having conversations like these and, you know, I get these people have, have said, it's like, oh man, that was like, it's so unscripted. And I'm like, yeah, cause it's, it's a conversation. Like that's yeah. it. You know, it's, it's like a conversation, you know, if, if we weren't between a screen, right. We'd be, you know, in your shop, having a few beers and having the same type of conversation. Right. So it's having conversations and meeting new people and, and, and forging those relationships that I've found is like, that's the nuts and bolts of it all. Like that's, that's where it all comes together. Now, what I can do is like, I can, when I growing up is, um, I had a, I had a Jeep, right. And I think this would kind of encapsulate it all. And so like, at least in my head and my perspective as to what dead rise kind of stands for is, you know, when I wanted to get my first car, I really wanted a Jeep, right? And I, I go, I'm like talking to my dad. I'm like, well, I'm going to buy this Jeep. I'm going to buy this Jeep. And he's like, all right, all right. Just know it's a Jeep. So it's probably going to break down a few times. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. They're rugged. They're rugged. He's like, well, he was right about that. Right. But the, the mandate was, well, you can buy, you can go ahead and buy your Jeep, but it has to be a stick shift. Right. Whereas all my other friends, they were getting these manual, like, Toyota Corollas and whatever, what have you. Right. So, but what that taught me is you had to be present. You had to be in the moment, right? It had roll down windows in a six speed out in a manual transmission. I'm sorry, five speed. And it was a little four cylinder. So it was slow as shit. You couldn't go very fast. What and, year was that? Uh, year was that the, the Jeep was a 99 TJ. Yeah. 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 So, and it had a it had a badass. I put a badass sound system in it, and it was on big tires, thirty three inch sure. BF Goodrich, and it was an awesome toy. Now I since sold the Jeep because it was totally impractical, and I have my truck. But, um, but you know, it's it's moments like that where it's like being on a boat. You know, it's you have to be present in the moment, right? Because you're on the water, right? Anything can happen. 
when you're driving a Jeep that's a, a stick uh, is a stick shift, like you have to be present. If you want to roll down the window, you only got two hands and one has to be on the stick and one has to be on the window, right? So it's that mentality of, you know, living life at 30 knots, which, you know, that's your next t-shirt right there. I was going to yeah. say it might be a new t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, it's, well, you know, just an interesting point of kind of the brand in general. Um, yeah, and Eric hopefully doesn't hate me for saying it, but you know, <laughs> we, I've been around the industry for about, you know, 10 years now. Eric's been in it for longer. Um, it's, a, it's an industry that we've, I think we both agree though. It's felt antiquated, right? And it's because mm-hmm. of something that you said earlier, Zach. Is these days it's been, and probably back then too. But you know, you don't get in college or out of college, and someone's like, "Oh, come join the boating fishing industry." The reason is, is because all the guys who started twenty, thirty years ago, they hey, all whoa, loved whoa, it so whoa. much. Well, they all loved it so <laughs> much that they were like, "We're not leaving this industry. This is way too good." So yeah, it's been, right. it is an industry though that you know, it's, it's hard at a younger age to really get into it. Um, you keep, mm-hmm. There's not many job options. It's, it's a tight knit community. So it is interesting though, that, you know, for a long time, it's guys who've been in it forever because they have, they've had so much fun doing it. We don't, can't blame them one bit But they're for that. setting their ways. But they, they are, you know, they're setting mm-hmm. their ways and, and props to them for that. So I think a biggest, you know, big thing for us was just kind of to breathe some new life into that industry from a different perspective, mm-hmm. like, it give it a different view, shake it up. Um, and then kind of, you know, a way for us to also find out who are the people who are like-minded to us. How do we build right. that community? How do we, how do we utilize that community for, for the greater good? And, you know, we just started fundraising for, um, for captains for clean water. Um, a big mm-hmm. part of this is to move forward and, and give back to the community. That's incredibly important to us. And that's not just a social post. That's something that we'll spend a lot of time moving forward and working with good organizations on, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who say they're just doing whatever, but um, we care about it enough that we want to make sure that's important to us. And we know that the community that, that supports us feels that same way. I mean, we saw it mm-hmm. through the first fundraising effort that we did. So, um, yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. About, we're excited about things moving ahead. I mean, and from what you're doing, like, I love the opportunity to tell the story of people in the industry. And I think that that's probably something that's very close to your heart because it takes time and energy to do what you're doing and, you know, taking a journalistic approach going forward and whether it's boat builders or, you know, coastal communities and it's music or it's, you know, restaurant Mm -hmm. peers and, you know, people local that are business owners or just watermen in general, I think telling the story will always be a part of dead rise and meeting those Mm. people and, you know, that community and what it really is from the top down. Because when you're growing up, you're just trying so hard to get in it. And then once you're in it, you settle in and you just have this appreciation that mm-hmm. the people in it, you really want to like, you know, you want to share that. You want other people to understand how amazing the people are in this industry. And like, I, again, I look at like surf culture, read Surfer's Journal and Motorcycle and read Iron and Air. And I, I see them telling these stories and I'm like, man, I want to I want to tell those stories for the coastal community and like the boating world and dig a little deeper, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it's, you know, yeah. hearing that from you guys is, is I totally agree because in every industry, right? 
the there's this idea that you have to go, you have to work, and then you come home, and that's it. But in the marine industry, that's not the case, right? Because everyone that's in it loves being loves being on the water, right? The majority of people, when they get home, they're going right to their boat and they're going out fishing, right? These are the guys that are 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 doing the things that they love, and that's the that's the coolest thing I can I can think of to any industry, right? I mean, you might see that in other industries like the fitness industry and some other you know more niche stuff, but man, it's really hard to explain working on the water in this industry to other people. And I always get questions. They're like, so you're a captain? And I go, yeah, I, I drive boats. And they're like, what does that mean? I go, what do you mean? What does that mean? Like, you know, and I try to explain them and, and there, it just, there's like this, the glaze goes over their face and it's like, oh, okay. All right. Well, it's but like then you're you talk, on vacation too. That's the old yeah. Way. You're always on, but you don't work. You don't really work. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, when it's 1 a.m. and it's freezing cold, I'm on the water and you're not. So, but even, even at those times, like I love being there, right? Like I could, I couldn't think of a better night than spending at 1 a.m. out on Narragansett Bay, watching the bridge lights refract off the water and just getting done with my, my final job. Like that to me and, and, and pinning at home and, and going to the dock, right? Like, but I feel like that's that's something that you guys can kind of kind of relate to, and that a lot of other people in this industry can relate to as well. So, you know, it's cool to see that you guys are kind of bringing this breath of fresh air into it, and kind of coming at it from a different angle. So, with all this, where do you kind of see this going? Like, where's the where's the future of Dead Rise lie? Um, I mean, again, I think it's more like I think we both want to be able to like dedicate more time to it. So I think that's a big part of it, and I think that travel and time with friends and going and checking out, you know, different places and then expanding, you know, on brands and just kind of like reviewing gear from our own perspective of figuring out like what works for everybody. So mm-hmm. that if you do want to like go away for the weekend, that we can do some of the groundwork for you. And yeah. I, I think that's a big part of it. Like, okay, this is the gear you take or, Hey, we went here and we checked out this town and we journaled it and, or we met this guide, like we're huge believers in when you go somewhere new, hire a guide and it makes your experience better and mm-hmm. it helps the community. So I think it's just expanding on all that. And then the design part of it. I mean, we both love the design, like, you know, shirts and hats and our own apparel and stuff is really just a part of it. But that's more about like spreading the vibe, you know, of mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, so. I think I think a big, <laughs> you know, we started this last may april i think it was right at covid um, start. yeah we started this <laughs> COVID, covid 101 don't start a business and um you know but but at the same time it, it's funny because our as our initial you know you want to talk about brand plan or what we were coming up with from the start was so much of it was going to be around travel and four times a year go to a different town we were going to do these highlights on these different places and kind of the you know, almost a trip advisor of how, how do you go with a boat to Charleston, mm-hmm. South Carolina, or whatever it was going to be. Um, and then COVID hit simultaneously and that shifted everything. You know, last year was the first year for both of us that we probably did the least amount of personal or trips, whatever, than ever before in our mm-hmm. lives. Um, that, that's a, something that both of us have done a lot of. So, um, so I think moving forward, hopefully within this year and and moving along we'll get back to doing some traveling we'll get back on the road we'll get to see some new 
<clears throat> you know, new some some new places. Um, or go back to you know old places we love. Um, and then mm-hmm. we can continue to build or begin and continue to build stories around those places and kind of tie in that original mentality of the road trip and hooking the boat up. And, you know, we had one of our initial sayings was, you know, don't let borders be boundaries. It's like we mm. live in Florida. That doesn't mean we can't go to Georgia. Doesn't mean we can't go to South Carolina. You know, it's just, right. if you have the will, you have, you'll find a way. So um, I think, you know, we both have stuff. We'll be starting to line up for trips this year and um, that'll be an exciting part to, to show stuff. But at the same time, we've done really well at enjoying what home has to offer here. Well, um, that's what I was going to say, yeah. like micro adventures, you know, I don't know if uh, Alistair Humphreys, I think is his name, um, wrote a book called micro adventures. And okay. um, it's a cool one to look up, but it's just the concept of doing more small adventuring at home and mm. around your area and exploring kind of like where you are to be something new. And it's interesting that what he goes into with the book, but it's just kind of like one of those, you know, grab your bike and jump on the train and then go somewhere and ride your bike home or whatever. And with boats, you could do the same. And I think that's what we've been realizing that like we have little get togethers locally or, you know, do stuff with the boat we wouldn't normally do or mm-hmm. just try to figure out ways to do more micro adventures. And I think for everybody, like that's probably a big part too of Dead Rise and just like getting up and going is you know, doesn't have to be this big plan thing, you know, just go camping for the night or something, right. take the boat out. Like we camped with the rooftop tent, like right in front of our house when we did it <laughs> with, with GFC, you know? And it's like, yeah. yeah, you could go out there and spend the night and then get up in the morning and go to work. Like go do that. Yeah. Who's to stop you? I love that. I love that. Well, guys, like it's been a real pleasure being able to sit down and, you know, chat about dead rise and learn about your backgrounds as well. So, you know, where can people learn more about it and how can they get involved and, you know, become a part of the part of the culture? Um, so you can check out our website, uh, www.deadriseproject.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram, uh, handles dead rise project. Uh, we do have a Facebook as well. Um, Instagram is definitely our main you know, source channel. Um, and a, a big part of that does come back to what, you know, the, the brand identity in the first place. It, it is so mm-hmm. heavily content. visual and, and yeah. content focused. Um, that's the channel that makes the most sense for us. Um, you know, we're so big into photography and, and just the visual nature of things. Um, and that, that's really what's helped us build so much of the brand. So um, that's our main, you know, if you want to follow us, see what we're up to, what kind of shenanigans we're getting into and, <clears throat> projects we got working on um that's your best resource um we're, we're trying to do a good job of updating some blogs and whatnot yeah, on, the website, journals on the website uh, which yeah we should call our mm-hmm. journal so uh, whether it's you want to learn more about the uh, spanish wells international uh, you want to learn a new good drink recipe for uh, our boat drinks section on the blogs um we got a whole resource of some fun reads we try to keep them short for you guys nothing crazy and um we got some exciting stuff we'll be working on this year so um you know, keep stay tuned and uh, we look forward to showing it to you yeah love it awesome well thanks guys for being on the show and uh hopefully you can come up to new england and spend some time up here on one of the more recent trips awesome buddy Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Along the Keel. It was a pleasure having Eric and Brian on and just to talk all about the Dead Rise project, how it came to be, and where it's going in the future. They got tons of cool projects, so if you want to check them out, 
Check out them on Instagram as well as Facebook and their website, thedeadriseproject.com. If you want to support the show, make sure to check out alongthekeel.com, sign up for our newsletter. We got some really neat things happening this summer, as well as the Water Eco Challenge, which will be there in Narragansett Beach on July 10th, right bright and early in the morning. So if you want to learn more about that, head over to our website. We're going to be coming out with a great article on the Water Eco Challenge, as well as the podcast that we did last season um, when the Water Eco Challenge was kind of under the COVID restrictions. But this year it's in full force. So if you want to come down, check it out at the beach. We will be there doing at least two podcasts and then a bunch of other smaller segments as we broadcast the event live from Narragansett Beach. So very excited about that. If you want to learn more about the show, make sure to head over to alongthekeel.com, subscribe to our newsletter, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, leave a five-star review, and as always, subscribe to the show. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Along the Keel. Make sure to work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day.